Good morning, everybody. Oh, come on. Good morning, everybody. All right. It's good to see you this morning. Let's all stand to our feet, if you would. And uh, we're going to sing about having some freedom in Christ. Anybody in here got freedom in Jesus Christ? Woo! Come on, shout yeah. it out now. Y'all wake up a little this morning. All right, here we go. You ready, Miss Julie? I'm getting there. Oh, she's getting there. All right, here we go. Freedom. Let's put our hands together this morning.
is your uh, your cry this morning and uh, man I've got a little uh, got a little frog in my throat that's what I, am. I went to the mountains this week and the mountains give me the frogs in the throat sometimes amen hey it's good to see you I hope you came to uh, worship the Lord this morning let's take time to just greet one another you would put your best smile on come on best one best one tell somebody you're glad to see him this morning all right your place and uh, be seated. All right, you can have a seat. It's good to see all of you this morning. We had a wonderful uh, men's breakfast uh, yesterday and uh, Brother David Burge cooked for us. Thank all you men for coming out, braving the cold weather and uh, had a wonderful time uh, uh, just fellowshipping, eating breakfast. Uh, just a few announcements. Are there any visitors today? If you're a visitor for the first time, we want to give you a visitor card and fill out. We don't want to embarrass you, but we do want to get a record of your visit. Anybody visitor for the first time today? All right. Everybody's home folk today. All right. That's good. Uh, listen, uh, we have Wednesday. I want to always remind you to put a plug in for Wednesday night. If you don't come on Wednesday, you're missing half the blessing. Amen. Uh, guess what? We meet on Sunday and also on Wednesday. All right. So if you only come on Sunday, you're missing half the blessing. All right. Uh, Wednesday nights are wonderful. We have uh, Wednesday morning. Uh, Wednesday morning, we have a Bible study from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. And then Sunday nights, we have a full dinner at six o'clock, and then at seven o'clock, something for all ages, Bible studies, and a youth service and a kids service. And so, you want to come and be a part of that. Don't don't miss that. Don't miss out on that. You're missing half the blessings literally after that. Um, then uh, don't forget Sunday school. We always have Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. And uh, then we are going to be starting a life recovery class. That's going to start in two weeks. Uh, it's a 12-week class for addiction recovery. Uh, Y'all know my theory on that. If you're a sinner, you have an addiction, amen, because basically all sin is an addiction, amen. It's the things that we run to to fill those voids in our life, all right. But Brother uh, Tracy Cantlin over here is, uh, is going to be teaching that. Thank you, Brother Tracy. So if you're interested in that, know somebody who's interested in that. And it's not just drugs or alcohol. It's really for anything, anger, codependency, any of those things. This is very similar to Celebrate Recovery, if you're familiar with that. Uh, uh, so see Brother Tracy or myself if you're interested in that. We're going to meet on Sundays, uh, either Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. We're still trying to find what the best time is, all right? Uh, and then uh, the Cleaning for Christ. There is a, a group of people that uh, clean this church for us 
uh, so that we don't have to pay a cleaning crew. And that's a big thing. Amen. Amen. So if you would like to take part in that, let me take my glasses off. I can read it better without them. Uh, cleaning crew, anyone interested in volunteering two hours a month? Now, come on, people. Look, look me in the eyeball. Two hours a month. Come on. All right. So two hours a month. Uh, they're going to meet next Sunday after church uh, ten, uh, for 10 minutes to get the schedule and any updates. And, uh, but uh, Miss Kate, Miss Kate, raise your hand if you would. See Miss, Miss Kate if you're interested, and uh, she will get you lined out on that. All right. We, have, we already have a basic crew in place, so we probably need to, it wouldn't hurt to have at least a couple of more. So uh, if you can help on that, uh, please see Miss Kate, okay? And I think everything. How many of y'all know the Super Bowl? How many of y'all know uh, the Cowboys ain't going to the Super Bowl? Mm. Anyway, uh, we are thinking about, though, maybe doing a, uh, you, we're good to go. I had Brother JT uh, kind of look into what it would do, uh, how hard it would be to do the Super Bowl on these TVs up here. Uh, so we're going to do a Super Bowl party. We're going to do it right slap dab here in church, amen? So uh, come, uh, we'll figure everything out. We'll figure food situation and all that. But I believe it starts around 5 or 5, 5.15. But I'll, I'll get more specific on that. Uh, but I thought, why not? But I had uh, Brother JT check on that. He says we're good to go on that. So that's February the 13th, I believe. That's uh, in a couple, of, a couple of Sundays, all right? So I think that's everything. Let's stand and we're going to continue to worship, all right? Because he lives.
God is a miracle working God. He's done miracles. This new song here we want to introduce to you talks about he's the wonder working God. All the miracles I've seen, it's too good to not believe. He heals because he loves us. And then there's a bridge that talks about some things that he heals us from. Sometimes he chooses to heal us and here on earth and sometimes he chooses to heal us in heaven but it's it's up to him but we want to sing this song that's very powerful
turn it all around to the glory of the Lord. Amen. place, God. You take what the enemy, like you said, like we sing, you meant for evil, Lord. You make it good, God. Lord, we just thank you for another day to rise and shine and to give you the glory in this place. And Lord, a lot of our brothers and sisters are out today, God. Um, illness, out of town. Lord, I just pray that you would have your hand upon them, Father. Just heal them. Make them well. Lord, just have your way now. Just speak to our hearts this morning, God. Open our hearts and our ears to your word. We ask this in your name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. a child you want to get rid of for a uh, about 30 minutes 35 minutes right through those doors and you will be free indeed <laughs> so uh man i don't know about you but if uh if you're not already excited then there's something wrong with uh with your fire for the lord amen like some preachers say your wood is wet you need to go get some dry wood so this morning, I want you to go ahead and turn your Bibles to, uh, to the book of Job and just the very first chapter, book of Job. We'll get into that here in just a minute. Um, but I wanted to just kind of look at the, uh, the title of my message is called The Knowledge of the Lord, The Knowledge of the Lord. For many years, I thought I had what was knowledge about God but I was mistaken. I thought that people were leading me, teaching me about God, but I was mistaken. See, so many times we feel like you have to have an emotion in order to be close to God. You have to have some sort of experience in order to be close to God. But it was my father in Christ, Brother Mike, that taught me that salvation and so much of what our relationship with Jesus Christ is, is a knowledge of the Lord. And so, you know, when I first gave my life to Christ almost 15 years ago, one of the very first things that I wanted to do was become knowledgeable about the Bible, and I wanted to know what it said and, and how to explain it and how to teach it and eventually how to preach it. And so I was seeking for knowledge, and so the very first book that Brother Mike gave me in order to read and to become knowledgeable about the Lord was the book of Proverbs. One chapter every day for a month. That's simple. That is simple. And, you know, as, as I, I guess, as I pondered at how I looked at myself before I was saved, I better get my clock out or I'll go uh, too far over, but if we are out a little late, Brother Mark's fault, he took some of my time, so <laughs> blame him. But as I pondered, you know, before I was saved, I thought I was wise. Before I was saved, I thought I was knowledgeable. And, and there's a scripture that, in, 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 you know, the, the Bible talks to you, and it's like it punched me right between the eyes, not too far after my salvation. And it's Proverbs 9.10. I didn't include that in the slide, but listen to what it says. The fear 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's like, my Lord, I've been a fool. But I wasn't fearful as like he's going to get on to me. I was fearful as he is the answer to each and everything and every problem and every situation that I'm ever going to face in life. And then it goes to say, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I wish I could tell you that I have lived by that scripture and I have, I have just been absolutely perfect in remembering that scripture, but I have not. And I don't think most of us probably have, but the fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. Sometimes I look to myself for wisdom because Martin is a smart man. Thank you, brother. So is Mark, by the way. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Lord, I'm going to try to understand everything else before I look to your knowledge. Amen? How many of us do this? Most of us. So as I was thinking about what I wanted to preach today, I just kept thinking you know, for us Christians, and I don't know if it's because I'm in ministry, I don't know if it's because I'm older, I don't really know, but it just seems like we have people that come to me and Brother Mark, or they come to our church, and, and, and they're, they're running this human race, and they're having experiences in life that are not so good. And for as long as we are in this earthly body, we're going to have experiences on a daily basis. Some good, some bad, and some indifferent. But the title of my sermon today, The Knowledge of the Lord, is meant to be geared more towards those times when we don't have such good experiences. And it really is meant to hopefully uplift somebody in this room because I've been praying and praying that the right ears would be here this morning. And I hope you brought your left ones too. And if I'm only preaching to myself, it's okay. Sorry, dad joke. <clears throat> but it just seems like we hear about the mom of 39 years old passing away, leaving kids behind that are way young. And as mothers and fathers, you say, why, Lord? You hear about people being laid off from their job and they don't know how to pay their bills or how they're going to make it. And if you go on any social media, you see people that are like, I'm just having a hard time and I don't know what to do. Have loved ones or ourselves that have cancer or have a diagnosis that just doesn't seem like, why me, Lord? Or we have a loved one that passes away and, and we just cannot understand why that happened. For as long as we're in this body and we're on this side of heaven, we're going to have those experiences. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nowhere you can hide. And so if we have the knowledge of the Lord, it's going to help us out in our experiences so much better. So let's go to our, our first passage of scripture. And this is uh, chapter 1, verse 6. I'm going to start on verse 6. And if you don't, didn't bring your Bible, you can follow with me up here. It says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came along with them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered, and the Lord said, From going to and fro on the earth. And from walking back and forth on it, verse 8, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, 
that there is none like him on earth, a blameless. King James Version says a perfect, a blameless. So a perfect and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Joe fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him? That's probably where we get our prayer, put a hedge of protection. Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions, have increased in the land, but now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. He will curse you to your face. Satan brings up a question that was so relevant in that day and time and a question that is so relevant to you and me in our lifetime and and as we go through life this question is relevant for each and every one of us the question is is what we are going through the experiences that we're having in our lives, the things that are happening to us, are those things going to triumph over our knowledge of the Lord? Or is our knowledge of the Lord going to triumph over the things that are happening to us and the experience that we're having in our life? It's a question that will be answered over and over and over And over again. And I'll be honest with you. There's sometimes I fail when that question comes up. But this morning, I'm cheerful because there's nothing new under the sun. And I can see that a perfect man like Job also can struggle. Then I'm in the right company. Amen. And as we work our way through the message this morning, we'll see that Job is in the hands of Satan at a certain point in the book of Job. And then he is in the hands of man. And finally, he is in the hands of God. And those are places where you and I find ourselves all the time. So let's learn about Job's life and what was going on with him. Let's go to verse uh, verse 2 through 5, still in chapter 1, and, and let's learn a little bit about Job. And I know some of us, we've read this, this passage back, front, sideways, but I promise you, every time you read the Bible, it's called the living word because the Lord has something for us if we just open up our minds and our hearts to it. Verse 2, and seven sons and three daughters were born to him. That's a pretty good number of kids. I always thought I'd have that many, but nope, I don't. Uh, Verse 3, also his possessions were 7,000 sheep. That's a whole lot of sheep. 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. And his sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to go eat and drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. So taking a look at Job's life, 
This dude has seven sons and three daughters. That's a good-sized family. You know, in that day and time, I'm sure sons were, were pretty amazing to have because then your lineage could go on. But then, you know, any of the girl dads out there, you know, we love our girls, so he has three of those. He has 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 oxen, and 500 uh, female donkeys. The dude's rich. He's not just rich. He's rich, rich. I mean, he is well off. And, you know, Muhammad Ali used to go around talking about, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest. I don't know if he was or he wasn't, but I do know that the Holy Spirit right here says that Job was the greatest of all the people in the East. And you can take that to the bank because it's the Holy Spirit that said it. And it says that Job cared about the spiritual, spiritual um, I guess, condition of his sons and his daughters, because the Bible says right there that he offered burnt offerings for his children. He cared about their spiritual well-being. And he was doing these things, listen to me, he was doing these things before Moses, before Jesus, before the law, before there was a way of God writing down and saying, read right here what I want you to do, dummy. There was no God for dummies in that day and time. Job had a knowledge of the Lord and was doing things before God wrote them down about what to do. Job later on even says, You know, all this wealth that you have blessed me with, Lord, I have given much of it to the poor. I have been a father to the fatherless. There's no one that comes in my realm of vision or in my realm that is not blessed by what I share with them from what God has given me. I take care of the widows. I take care of the orphans with all that you have given me. And it even goes on to say, I do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. All you have to do is look at my life. And so Job you know, he's, he's pretty well off, and he wakes up one day, and he grabs his coffee, and, you know, he takes a little sip of it and goes to his office. Pull a Brother Mark real quick. <clears throat> and he goes to his office, and he sits down, and as he's sitting there, a message comes along. And it says, your oxen were plowing the field, and your donkeys were grazing, but a group called the Sabaeans, they came and raided them, and they are gone. I mean, there is no sight or sound of them. They are in another land, in another country, and I'm sure Job is probably sitting back, and he's like, man, that's the price of doing business. I'm still pretty well off. As a matter of fact, I can probably write this off for my taxes so I don't have to give as much to the land of Ur. I think that's where he's from. So he, he, he's, he's thinking, I'm still well off, and he receives another message. And this time his 7,000 sheep were in a storm. And the Bible says that fire came down and burned up every one of his sheep. I'm so glad I was not there because burnt animals smell gross. And there was 7,000 of them. And Job's thinking, I'm still rich. I'm still well off. You know, I, we had our men's fellowship yesterday. And I got a chance to talk to Brother Jeff over here. And, you know, on Mondays he gets in an 18-wheeler and he drives, I believe, to Utah, if I got that correctly. And he's back home by Friday. So I say that to say this, 3,000 camels, that is what they're doing. 
He has 3,000 18-wheelers and 3,000 Brother Jeffs that are going to and fro in the land and bringing goods and taking goods. And, And so he gets a message that somebody has stolen your caravans. All 3,000 of your 18-wheelers are gone. Your workers are gone. Everything you have, Job, is gone. Job is broke. Job is bankrupt. I'm sure he wishes he wouldn't have gotten gotten up and gone into the office that Monday. How much worse could it get? Couldn't get much worse, could it? Job is sitting there. And he gets one more message. And it says, your oldest son had his brothers and sisters over at the house. And they were having a party. And a tornado came. And the house fell on them. Your seven sons and your three daughters are dead. You talk about some circumstances that want to overtake you. You talk about a life experience that wants to overtake you. See, the devil said, if you do these things, Job will curse you to your face. And so we go to verse 21 and we see Job's reaction to this and Job's knowledge to this. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job's knowledge overcame the circumstances that had just been handed to him. He could have cursed God to his face. But he says, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. I didn't do that. It was the Lord that gave it to me and he chose to give it back. So blessed be his name. Job's had a little bit of a rough experience, but his knowledge, his knowledge has triumphed over his experience. And on the bright side, there are a couple bright things. He still has his health. No, you have your health, you're, you're good. You're in good company. But the Bible says not too long after that, that Satan comes before God again and says, anybody can be happy with you when they have their health, but if you take his health, he will curse you to your face. I promise you that. And the Lord tells the Lord tells Satan, I will allow you to do that, but spare his life. And the Bible says that Satan strikes Job down with boils from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. And Job is in, in mourning. He's sitting in sackcloth and ashes. And, and the only comfort that he has is he picks up broken pieces of clay and he is scratching himself because the doctor came by and he said man you, you're, you're on a HMO plan I can't help you and then another doctor comes by and he's like we've never seen this before I, I cannot help you and so Job is just left to be there by himself no kids no money but he still has one thing he still has a helpmate He still has his wife. And the Bible says, this is the Bible, this is is what God says. Any man, and you can say any woman, but any man who finds a woman who will go with him through the good times and the bad times, through the up and through the down, 
and stand with him and lift him up and be an encouragement to him is more valuable than rubies and gold. And I know everybody in here is blessed with that kind of woman. So Job still has that. He has his wife. But let's go to verse 9. Verse 9, chapter 2. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? She doesn't believe in her husband, does she? Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Curse God and die. Can you imagine And for many of us that have been married a long time or have been in relationships, we do not have to imagine. I mean, let's just go ahead and be honest, but there have been times when husbands or wives, you have looked at your significant other and you say, I just can't stand, fill in the blank, how you breathe. What? You can't stand how I breathe. Are you telling me you're going to kill me in my sleep? I just can't stand how you talk. You get on my nerves so. Fill in the blank. Amen. It's all of us. If you've been married long enough, it's all of us. And you take a man that God made to be, um, have his ego stroked and be told how good they are and be told how awesome they are. And this woman literally says, curse God and die. It is better that you were dead than to be in the state that you're in because your integrity, buddy, is shot. But let's look at this. The very words of Satan came out of Job's wife. Curse God. Satan told God, if you do this, if you do this, Job will curse your name to your face. And his very wife is delivering those words to Job. Curse God and die. What does that even mean, Brother Martin? God said, my servant Job is perfect. He will not curse me. Job, the Satan did everything to do away with the word of God. God spoke it. God said, this is my word. And Satan came about with the plan of using his wife to do away with the word of God. And this is one truth that all Christians need to understand and know. If the devil, if Satan can do away with the word of God, he wins. Everything going on around us, spiritual warfare, everything that we go through in this world is Satan trying to do away with the Word of God, whether you realize it or not. It's not about LGBTQESPN. It's about God said, I made a man and I made a woman. I made two. It's not about politicians and everything that's going on. It's about... Okay, we'll get rid of these books right here, and then we'll get rid of these books. And Oh, yeah, there's the best-selling book ever, the Bible. It's hateful. Let's do away with the Word of God. This is the exact same thing that is happening here. And we have all of creation 
We have all the universe for however long this happened. Looking down at earth, looking down at Job. And, and it's like a boxing match. It's like this main event going on. And in the first round, Job just hit that Satan upside the head. And he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. For he gives, a, he gives and he takes away. And so you have everybody looking down at Job's life again. And let's go to verse 10. And it says, but he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Round two. And Job goes for the knockout blow. With this scripture, he just knocks Satan out. And listen to me real quick. Something you've probably never known. For the rest of the Old Testament, the devil is shut up. He never speaks again in the Old Testament. He never has another word. Because Job's knowledge of the Lord was greater than his wife talking to him the way that she did. Amen? He shuts the devil up for the rest of the Old Testament. How great is that? Yeah, come on, y'all got to give the Lord a clap offering on that one. So, Brother Martin, that means Job is good, right? I mean, he's fixing, you know, he, he, he's going to get better. No, he's not. He's not. He's going to be put in the hands of men. But, Brother Martin, he didn't curse God. He didn't curse God. But, Brother Martin, it says that he was perfect. He was perfect. Look at me up here. Look at me up here. I am perfect. If my wife was here, she'd probably like me. I am perfect. I'm perfect in my standing with God because when he sees me, he sees the blood of Jesus. When he sees me, he sees me white as snow. I am perfect in God's standing. Job was perfect in his standing with God. But my situation that I'm in, I'm imperfect. My situation that I'm in on this side of heaven, I am imperfect. But yet in my standing with God, I am perfect. In my current state, I am imperfect. And so he says, you know what? There's some things about Job that I want to expose to him real quick. There's some things that I want to show Job that he's struggling with. I'm going to show him that he's prideful. I'm going to allow him to discover his anger, his self-righteousness, his bitterness. God knew that Job was sarcastic and impatient. Do those words resonate with anybody? Every single one of those words resonate with me. Because in my state, I am those things. And so the Bible says that Job has three friends that come by. And for seven days, they sit around Job and they're just looking at each other. For seven days, they're just looking at each other. Nobody says a word. Nobody does anything. The custom of that day was that until Job spoke, nobody could say anything. And finally, when Job speaks on that seventh day, he said, Cursed be the day that I was born. It would have been better if the day that I was born was swallowed up and it never, never, ever happened at all. That doesn't sound like a guy that's pretty knowledgeable about who God is, does he? Then he's got his friends there. 
And it says that he didn't speak because he knew those friends didn't come to comfort him. They came to criticize him. His friends didn't come to be there for him. They came there to put him down. His first friend, his name is Eliphaz, and I'm just going to kind of summarize them for just a second. This guy, maybe you've met somebody like this. He's the guy that will tell you, well, I don't know if you're saved or not. Because did you cry when you spoke to the Lord? Did you say the right prayer when you spoke to the Lord? Did you get chills up and down your spine when you spoke to the Lord? I'm not sure if you haven't had my experience that you're even saved, sinner. His next friend is Bildad. And this person knows the Bible, knows Proverbs, knows, has all these little cute quotes. And he thinks he's comforting you, but really it's like a little stab. Every time they tell you something, when you are in a bad place and you're having a bad experience, well, you know, God does not delight in the wicked, so what does that make you? Well, you know, God's got a better plan. God's got a better plan. Really? Tell, tell me what his plan is. How's that making me feel good? How's that making me feel better? Well, you know, God needed that person. God just needed them. Really? Like that's supposed to make me feel better? Well, they're in a better place. They're in a better place. You ever met anybody like that? People that are meant, and sometimes it's pastors. People that are meant to comfort you, but they just don't know how. And then the last one is Zophar. And just to be frank, he's a know-it-all. He knows exactly what God would do. He knows exactly how God thinks. He knows exactly the knowledge of God. And if you want to know about God, then you come to him. Now, I know everybody's met somebody like this. Because I'm sure, and I hope you're not one in here. You may be. If it is, then this is conviction. Oh, God told me that Donald Trump was going to be the next president. He wasn't supposed to lose. But you know what? He's going to get him back in in March. Just wait, just wait. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You know what? God is using those people in Washington right now to expose themselves of their sins and they're all going to get caught and Donald's going to be back in office. That's what this guy said on the internet. That's what he prophesied. Have you not been paying attention? God made a mistake by allowing Joe Biden to be in office. See, we got, we, got, we got some of them in here. Here's my question. And I see it all the time. People get so wrapped up in the politicians that they forget about the king. People get so wrapped up in God made a mistake that they forget about king. The king has always been the king. He will always be the king. And whoever is in there, he allowed it to happen. And no, you're not anybody special that has some sort of insight about what God's plan is that nobody else has. Thank you. And by the way, I'm not a, I'm not a Biden fan, so don't, don't get that. I'm more worried about the king than I am about the politicians. So these are Job's comforters. 
But really, from chapter 3 to chapter 37, they're Job's accusers. Job, you have hidden sin. You should just expose it. What were you doing that nobody knows of? God didn't do that to us, but he did it to you, you sinner. You're not so upright. You're not so perfect. Job, God, if God loved you, this would not have happened to you. Job, you have instructed many, many, many people, but you were the one that was in need of instruction, you sinner. Behold, happy is the man who the Lord corrects, you sinner. So you should be happy that the Lord got on to you like that because he's trying to cleanse you from your sin. Job, if you really got what you deserved, it wouldn't have been your kids. You'd be in hell right now with your neck broke. But bless God, we don't have to worry about that. Because you're the one sitting there going through this experience. And in these chapters, Job defends himself. He calls his friends fools. He justifies himself to them. He justifies himself and he glorifies himself. Instead of justifying God, God's all-knowing. God knows what he's doing. He justifies himself, but man, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. The world could learn a lot from Job if they acted like Job. And he even at one point says, God, you are so cruel. Did I not give to those in need? Did I not take care of the ones in trouble? My soul went out to the poor. I did good, Lord. I did good, but evil came to me. He's saying, God, you could learn a thing or two from me. God, you could learn that how I treated people is how you're supposed to treat people. You need a little lesson in hospitality. And if you looked at my life, you would learn that lesson, God. Whoa. Are, are we not guilty of it? Lord, this is what I did. And I'm still in a, in a bad place. Then finally, God... God gets involved in chapter 38. And let's go to our scripture. Chapter 38, verse 4. He says, wait just a second, you fool. Everybody in here is wrong. I've let you converse for about 34 chapters, but guess what? I only need a chapter or two to correct it. Let me ask you one simple question. Let me ask you a simple question. It says, where were you, Job, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding of that. It says, have you, have you commanded the morning? Tell me if you have understanding of how morning happens. Can you bind the stars the way that I've done? And can you loose Orion's belt? Tell me if you have understanding. Have you given the horse the strength that it has every single day? Guess what? Because I'd have, and I know how it works. Tell me if you have understanding. Can you guide the bear and her cubs? Because I can. Tell me if you have understanding, Job. Job answers and he says, I don't know. I don't know any of those things, God. And God says, if you don't understand the material things, if you don't understand the material world, who are you and how would you be able to understand how I run the moral world 
and the spiritual world. Who are you? Job answers and says, I am sorry. I've said too much. I utter about things I do not understand. I utter about things that I do not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Let's go to verse 12 through 13 in uh, chapter 42. It says, Now the Lord forgave Job. The Lord let Job go through those things. And this knowledge of the Lord increased. Then it says, Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job. Only 140 more years, just the latter days. Then his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. Wait just a second. The Lord is not very good at math, is he? Because if you look at chapter 1, he had 7,000 sheep. Chapter 42, 14,000 sheep. Chapter 1, he had 3,000 camels. Chapter 42, he had 6,000 camels. Chapter 1, he had 500 oxen. Chapter 42, he had 1,000 oxen. Chapter 1, he had 500 female donkeys. Chapter 42, he had 1,000 female donkeys. But verse 13 says he only had seven sons and three daughters. Was it not supposed to be 14 sons and three daughters? God's not very good at math. We can, we can just say that the word of God is not correct, put our Bibles up, throw it out the window and just say, you know what, it's, it's incorrect. But wait, there's the knowledge of the Lord, right? Here's the knowledge of the Lord. The 7,000 sheep were gone. They were lost. The 3,000 camels were lost. They were gone. The 500 oxen, they were gone. The 500 donkeys, they were gone. But the seven sons and daughters of Job were in heaven with the Lord because the Lord's knowledge says that if you are mine, you are in the palm of my hand and nobody can ever take you away from me. There's no mountain too high. There's no depth that's too, too deep. There's nothing that can be taken away from me. So the Bible says that Job lived for another 140 years until the fourth generation of his grandchildren and then he went to go be with the Lord and then after a while... His second set of seven sons and three daughters came to heaven and he looked around and he had 14 sons and six daughters. That's the knowledge of the Lord. The knowledge that we know, that we know, that we know, that we know without a shadow of a doubt. If those that, that go on before us, they pass on to the other side, we're going to see them again. If you've done what the Lord has told you to do about accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we have the knowledge that trumps any experience. You cannot threaten me with death because we have the knowledge that we're going to see each other again. And if God said it, he's big enough to do it. Amen. I have just a quick story. I'm hoping it's quick. I know I'm letting you all out late. But this is, and I know there's so many in here that have gone through experiences that are way, way more tough and challenging than mine. And, and I, I don't, I don't want to make light of those situations. But this is my story. And this is the only one I can share. But 
you know, I, I was laid off of about August or whatever, so it took me a couple months to get a job, and I was excited about getting this job. This company seemed really, really good. Um, and so I've been up here, I've been renting this office up here, and I had to study for a uh, financial test that allows me to trade stocks, do those kinds of things. First time I made a 70, I needed a 72. So I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm a smart guy. I can do that. And so I was making 95s on my practice exams, and I was excited to go to work about two or three weeks ago because I was going to go in on a Friday to take this exam. I made a 70. I needed 72. That's easy. That's like, you know, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, buckets. And I'd ask Brother Mark to pray for me. I'd ask Jose to pray for me. I had told lots of people about what was going on in my life, and they were praying for me. And I'm thankful for their prayers. I listened to Christian music on the way up there, and I was listening to the blessing, and I mean, I was just having a time by myself with the Lord. And I go in there, and I'm telling you, this test was in a foreign language, and it wasn't Spanish. <laughs> and the questions I'd never seen before. And so I got done and I hit submit. And I made a 67. And I thought to myself, man, that was a hard three months of looking for a job. Yeah, my wife said, hey, we've been in worse situations than this. You got this. My wife was supportive. My children prayed for me. My children hyped me up. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm walking out, and I got tears in my eyes. What now? Is it going to be three more months of looking for a job? Of not knowing how I'm going to pay the bills? And I get out to my car, and I know my wife's waiting for me to call. And I don't really know what to do because this wasn't supposed to happen. I was supposed to be starting that Monday, you know, making money for my family. And all I knew to do was drive around. And I drove around the loop a couple times. And finally, I came back to the church. And I'm mad and I'm hurting and I'm like, what? Like, Lord, I show up every Wednesday even when I don't want to. I try to love the unlovable, Lord. Like, I'm your man. Like, how does this happen to me? And I know that I have to call my boss and I'm, I'm fearful because I know that more than likely, that's it, I'm done. You get two chances, you get one chance, really. And so finally, I just come right here to this altar, and I just start praying. Like, Lord, you know, I, you're my provider. I don't know why I'm forgetting this, but I am in my flesh, in my state. I'm questioning you. And so finally, I get the courage to go call my boss. He said, man, how'd you do? I know you did amazing. I said, man, I made a 67. He said, oh. Finally, I get to the point of the serious question. Does this mean I'm fired? Something kind of came out. Does this mean that I am fired? He said, if this was a year ago, you would be gone. But this year, you're going to get another opportunity. You cannot work here without that licensing but I'm going to put in a good word for you in another role with the licensing that you already have. I'll let you know in a day or two if they want to give you an opportunity. 
in a day or two, I got an offer for a contract to sign up with them with licensing I already have, making the same salary, as a matter of fact, making a little bit more than my old salary with the possibility of, of compensation that is greater than I would have had at my old role. Just like that song said, don't tell me he can't do it. Don't tell me he's not capable. But we're in these situations. I'm not saying we're not going to flounder. I'm not saying we're not going to struggle. But at the end of the day, the knowledge of the Lord should always trump the experience that we're going through. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. That's good. That's a good, good testimony. Amen. I was talking to somebody this week and uh, talking about troubles going through and hard times. And, you know, I, Brother Martin can share his story. I can share my story. Everybody in this room could share their story. But the only story you really know is your story. And it doesn't mean my story's harder than your story. It just means, hey, everybody's going through it. Amen. Everybody at this point in time is probably going through a little Job moment right now. But I'm here to tell you, keep your faith. You know, in my conversation with somebody this week, uh, they said, uh, you know, sometimes God uses our hardest things uh, as his megaphone. And his megaphone is speaking into our lives, telling us, maybe there's some things we need to look at. Maybe there's some things I need to change. And so uh, I want you to think about that. Let's, uh, we're going to have just a a response time. Brother Martin will be over here. I'll be on this side. He wants me to pray for you. You want to just come and pray at this altar. Father, I just pray that you have your will and your way in people's lives today, Lord. May we lay all of our burdens, all of our cares, all of our anxiety, all of our worry, all of our fear at your feet, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing a little bit. Uh, you come and pray if you need to. Blessings to be stored. And now.
Amen. You know, before we go this morning, you know, part of what we do as a church is just to be there for each other and just lift each other up. And so uh, Miss Pat came this morning and uh, uh, Leonard Gold, many of you know him, he had uh, surgery and he's just not doing good. So we want to pray for him. I want you to remember uh, Tracy Little's mom. She's in hospice and uh, she's not doing good. She's probably, uh, you know, just cancer's kind of overtaking her body. Um, Teresa Hobbs and uh, and Chris Hobbs, their brother Brad, is in hospice also, and so just a lot of people with sickness. So I wanted to ask you if, if there's anybody just needs prayer this morning. Would you just lift up a hand? You need prayer. Some of you around, keep your hands up, and somebody around these people with their hands up. Would you walk over to them and let's just pray for them? Now, I'm going to say a prayer, but just uh, just put your hand on them. Let them know that you care about them. All right. Find somebody with a lifted hand. And just pray over them, all right? Let's pray for all these folks. Lord, we love you today. God, we just want to pray for all these these folks that are represented by these raised hands, God. People that are struggling. People that are in pain, Lord. People, uh, Lord, that are losing loved ones, God. And Lord, we don't always understand. And many times, like Job, we want to just say, Lord, I just want to curse the day I was born. But God, you've created us for a purpose. You've created us for a reason, God. And our time, on, our time on earth here is short, Lord. But God, I pray that, God, you'd help us to realize you have a purpose and a, a plan for everything we're going through, and no matter how hard it is. And so, Lord, speak into our lives, God. I pray, uh, Lord, you didn't promise, uh, promise us life on earth here forever. You promised us eternal life. And that means once this life is over, life with you with heaven. And so, God, I just want to pray that, God, you just give us the hope of heaven, the hope of glory. And uh, we, we understand that there is no, death has no victory, death has no sting because of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. So, Lord, meet every need in this place. Meet all the needs of everyone that raised their hands this morning and be God in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless y'all. Y'all are dismissed. Have a great day. Uh, I'm going to be with the deacons. We're going to be in the fellowship hall just real quick for about 10 minutes. <laughs>